This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. All right, welcome back. 2.34, final half hour here today. Angela Kokout will be in after 3 o'clock with Calgary Today. I'll have some more time for your calls and your texts, 403-974-8255. A couple of the things I wanted to get to uh, in our time remaining here today. Uh, but I wanted to come back to an issue that we've heard far too much about in Alberta. I mean, obviously, we should know about this. It's just the tragedy uh, that there are these stories to be told in the first place. Uh, Alberta's child and youth advocate is out with uh, two investigative reviews today regarding two children in care. Reviews titled Nine-Month-Old Sharon and Four-Month-Old Marie. These are very heartbreaking stories. The Minister of Human Services responding with uh, a statement, Our government takes the safety of every child extremely seriously. We accept the advocate's recommendations and will work quickly to make the improvements necessary to prevent future tragedies. Now, we've heard a lot about the deaths of children in care Uh, in recent months and recent years. And frankly, a lot of the reason that we know about these cases is because of the hard work uh, of some in the media. So the fact that it's still happening, what do we make of this? Joining us on the line is someone who's written a lot about this issue, Paula Simons uh, with the Edmonton Journal, edmontonjournal.com. Paula, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Rob. Um, Well, you you had quite an emotional reaction, I think, as a lot of people did. Once again, we're hearing about uh, children dying unnecessarily uh, while in provincial care. Um, Should we be pessimistic about the state of affairs? You know, there are two issues here, Rob. One is the fact that there are deep, multi-generational family crises in our First Nations and Métis communities, which, uh, you know, it's the legacy of residential schools, it's the legacy of the child welfare system. We have families who can't care for their own children, children who get put into impossible situations. That's a huge problem to solve. The other problem, though, is that this new Democrat government, which was elected with very high hopes that they would bring about major changes to the way the child welfare system works and the way that we discuss these issues, has really done precious little in its first 18 months in power uh, to make it, for example, any easier for me to talk to you about who these kids were. Uh, there were two reports from Del Graff, the child and youth advocate today. One of, uh, and in each of these cases, um, We've got, we've got pseudonyms, so we don't know who these girls were. We don't know where they died. Uh, all of that information is still kept secret under provincial legislation. So the, the first case, which is sad enough, involves a nine-month-old little girl named Sharon who was returned to her parents, um, died back in their custody. The cause of death is very murky. It's harder to find a sort of a a smoking gun, to use the cliche, in her case. The one that had me literally shouting out loud in the newsroom is the death of the other girl. She's four years old uh, when she dies, and her name that's given to her as a pseudonym is Marie. I can tell you she died in 2014. That information isn't in the report, but I dug it up. Um, uh, But I can't tell you where she lived, um, except that she was... First Nations. Um, 
her story is that she was taken from her mother's custody. Uh, her father was out of the picture. Her mother had a long history of drug addiction, two other children in care. And Marie was placed in a foster home where, by all accounts, she did quite well. Uh, but when she was two years old, she was removed from that foster home and put into a kinship care placement. Um, now, what is that, by the kinship, way? Kinship care is when children are placed in the custody of extended family members. Sometimes those are grandparents or siblings. Sometimes they're, you know, great aunts, second cousins. Sometimes, you know, sometimes the kinship is not particularly close. But the idea is that it's better philosophically for children to be with extended family and in their cultural community, which is a great idea on paper. But in this case, uh, Marie and her two older half-siblings were given into the care of a couple who were extended family. The couple had successfully raised their own children, but didn't have a lot of experience with the kinds of high needs that these three kids presented. Uh, There was very little home study. The social worker who did the home study met twice with the kinship care mother, once with the kinship care father. There was no analysis of the other adults who were in and out of the home. The three children were placed in this home, and after just five months, Children's Services granted you know, uh, legal guardianship to this couple and walked away and had nothing more to do with these kids. Then they started getting calls, calls from the neighbors. Calls went to the police saying that there's something wrong with the way these children are being cared for. The birth mother the bio mom went to Children's Services and said, I think my children are being abused in this home. I want them taken away from my relatives and put back into foster care. None of that happened, even though that there were calls to police, there were calls to Children's Services, there was concern that the youngest child, uh, Marie, was losing weight dramatically, uh, wasn't eating, uh, may or may not have had tapeworms. Uh, at the time she died in 2014, she was four, four and a half, and weighed nineteen kilo, sorry, weighed nine kilograms. She weighed nine kilograms, which is less than than twenty pounds. She was four years old, so she was horrifically malnourished. Died following what the what the kinship care parents said was an accident where she fell off a swing. Uh, so she had some kind of head trauma. But here's. A scandal piled on scandal. It's been two years since this child died. The medical examiner has yet to determine a cause of death. There's been no official report from the medical examiner's office because they're backed up, because I don't know. So two years since she died. Uh, There's a criminal investigation ongoing, but no charges have ever been laid. So we know that this child, while in the care where she'd been placed by Children's Services in this home, uh, was starved. And, and had a traumatic brain injury. And I can't tell you who she is, can't tell you her name, can't tell you where this happened, can't tell you the name of her birth mom, can't tell you the name of, of the kinship care parents, can't tell you how she died. And I'm mad. Well, and, and we all should be. Uh, Paula, you, you mentioned the, look, there, there are cultural sensitivity issues around these, these policies and how Aboriginal kids are dealt with and trying to be sensitive about these issues. If, if this were a non-Aboriginal child, would this story, how different would this story have been? Well, I mean, it's the policy of the department to, to use kinship care whenever possible. And, you know, and 
if you pull back, it makes perfect sense whether the kid comes from, uh, you know, a Ukrainian-Canadian family, an Irish-Canadian family, a Somali-Canadian family, uh, you know, a Chinese-Canadian family, whatever the family background is, it makes perfect sense that if a child comes into care, you try to find somebody, you know, with whom the child has some previous connection so that the child is not put into a, a cultural milieu that's totally foreign to them. That makes perfect sense. But many times, if the birth family is dysfunctional, it's because of a dysfunctionality that permeates through the extended family. You can't just assume that because somebody's the grandmother or somebody's the great aunt, they're automatically competent to care for a child who may come in with serious problems. The issue with the First Nations community is that we have such a long and tragic history in this country of saying, oh, well, you're not very good with taking care of your kids. Let's take your kids away. We'll give them, you know, we'll put them in residential schools. We'll put them in foster care. Right. We'll, you know, we'll adopt them out. That has proven catastrophic in many cases. So you understand that people want to course correct and have the pendulum swing the other way and say, okay, taking kids out and putting them in white homes and white schools was a disaster in many cases, so let's not do that. Let's try to be culturally sensitive. Let's try to to be respectful of First Nations spirituality, First Nations language, First Nation culture. Uh, the problem is that if you make that well-intentioned plan your dogma and you stop looking to see whether the family is actually an appropriate family, uh, you know, it doesn't make just as it's racist to take First Nations kids and put them in white families and assume that white families will look after them better, I think it's equally racist to assume that if you just leave them in First Nations families, that'll automatically be, be great, too, if you don't do follow-ups and checks. And I, I don't know enough about this fostering family to know whether the problem was that Children's Services walked away and didn't give them the supports they needed. I mean, I don't know what the cause of death of this child was, although you'd think that weighing nine kilograms and having your head bashed in would be pretty good predictors of mortality. But in the absence of sensible information, we can't even know for sure what went wrong here. And it's all in this cloud of secrecy and mysticism, you know, so that we're supposed to mourn for Marie. But how are we supposed to fix the problems that caused her death? Well, and that's the question here. So when the government says, look, we, and this is just from, from the minister's statement, we have already taken action to strengthen a number of the areas the advocate highlighted. Work is underway on assessment tools that meet the unique needs of kinship caregivers, a support program to help blah, caregivers. Blah, well, blah, exactly. blah, I mean, blah, 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 blah. What does that mean? Well, I mean, I guess translated into English, that means we'll work harder to make sure that when we place people, we, when we place vulnerable kids, with families, that the families are equipped to deal with them. Because let's, you know, let's not be naive about this. A lot of these kids come into care, and whether they're going into foster care or kinship care or group homes, these kids are often suffering from uh, neurological problems caused at birth through, from prenatal exposure to, to drugs and alcohol. Sometimes they're suffering from PTSD as bad as any war veteran because of the violence that they've seen in their homes. Sometimes they're suffering from attachment disorder. Uh, if you placed a child like this in my care, I mean, I'm an experienced mother. I would be in so deep over my head, I wouldn't know what to do either. I mean, these kids come in and they are profoundly neurologically damaged often, profoundly carrying so much emotional baggage. They need all kinds of psychiatric care, medical care, social supports. And if we ask foster parents and kinship care parents to look after them and then run away 
without providing the supports that those people need, tragedies are going to happen, even with the best-intentioned foster parents. But... Uh, what what frustrates me is that we we you know we write report after report fatality inquiry after fatality inquiry the problems are the same i mean i i, I could write this report you know time after time you change the names you change the players but the outcomes are always the same and if we don't provide supports to birth parents if we don't provide supports to the parents who are fostering, whether that's through kinship care or through regular foster care systems, tragedies repeat themselves. And we, we write the reports. We get all earnest. I give this same interview. You know, yeah. I talk to you. I talk to Charles Adler. I go on the CBC. I write my columns. And, and after, you know, after 20 years of covering this story, I, I wish to God I could say that something had gotten better. But it doesn't seem to matter who the minister is. It doesn't seem to matter who the premier is. We talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, and nothing substantive ever happens to make lives better for these kids and their families. No, that's the unfortunate truth here. Paula, we'll leave it there. Much more, edmontonjournal.com. I do appreciate you coming on with us here today. I think I've just depressed myself and probably all your listeners, but thank you anyway. No, needs to be said, Paula. Take care. There you go, Paula Simons, uh, Edmonton Journal. Uh, Very passionate about this issue, as you can tell. And maybe this will be a wake-up call. Something needs to change, clearly. we got to take a break here. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.